And welcome back to sort of the Clear Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we've officially hit that point of the offseason where the draft's in the rearview mirror, for agency's already happened, the schedule's already been released. It's time for us to manufacture some content. Luckily, the Jets start their OTA practices this week, so I'm sure some stuff will pop up. With that said, though, uh, what are your expectations? I mean, when you're a good team, there isn't as much room for debate. This this roster is looking pretty solid. I mean, what are you looking to get out of, of OTA practices this week? I mean, you said it. It's a totally different feeling at this point of the offseason than what we're used to, because usually at this point, you know, we're feeling optimistic because of the draft, free agency, everything that's happened. But even with all that optimism, there are usually still so many holes on the roster and positions that you know have a lot of uncertainty to them. And there still are some positions absolutely on this roster that, um, you know, still need to be figured out. Still some question marks. And we'll talk about some of those today. But Overall, the feeling is, you know, not quite as uh, what's the word for it? Like we're just more satisfied with the ro- yeah. with the roster right now than I think you typically are. There's just less worry than there typically is. That's not to say anything's guaranteed for the Jets this year, but overall, you you just feel pretty good about it, and you're more excited to see how things are going to play out than than you are concerned right now. So it's a different feeling than what we're used to. It feels like there's less to talk about right now because. Um, because like I said, I think usually at this point, it's the conversation is driven by sort of the desperation, let's say, because you're just so concerned about all, all those issues that you want to talk about it right now. You're just like, can the season get here? Because <laughs> you're so excited, you know, to see this team. So it's a nice positive change, but there, there's still some stuff to talk about. We were able to drum up some topics here after some deliberation it yeah we're really we're really people. selling people on listening to this podcast today there, I mean, there are some amazing topics this is <laughs> the best we can come up with the absolute most in-depth well, hey, content that you could get right now i think this podcast is at its best when we when we take a a specific topic you know, we find a niche and we really just dive into the nitty-gritty of it and we do have some exciting ones planned for this this summer some interviews that we've lined up so we will have a full content schedule for the summer but like you said i mean today we really had to to dig deep to find some topics because what do you even what are you even looking for uh, for for ota practices especially when you have a veteran quarterback i mean i think last year with zach wilson we were all just wanting to see him complete bubble screens and so we could overreact to some twitter clips i mean what can you take out of these ota practices michael i mean is there anything to be drawn from these uh twitter clips that we'll inevitably get i guess we get to finally see aaron Rodgers in his in his bulbous jets helmet is there anything else to be to be taken away from from a veteran team uh at at ota practices well i before we recorded this we were kind of writing down our notes for this episode some of the stuff that we want to discuss and this exact topic came up and i wrote down a list of mini camp goals and i was kind of joking but it's also kind of serious and some of the main goals for me include no broken bones no pulled muscles no strained muscles none of those things uh, ignore all that as long as you could avoid all those things i think you had yourself a great ota great mini camp all that so no injuries is all we really care about but Maybe i mean some cool highlights some cool, cool highlights, highlights are nice. fun i mean i mean jets fans are just getting hyped up over literally anything aaron Rodgers does on the <laughs> slant field right Lazard. Now. just slant Lazard. even if i'm i'm just gonna say it some of the passes i've seen in these clips even if it's slightly behind Okay, Bills, you know, fans will still eat it up, but um, that's you know, topic for another day. Hey, we did uh, find that clip before we were looking. Michael and I were were uh, name searching our twitters to find like 
you know, maybe some good or bad takes that we've had in, in years past. And somehow we stumbled upon a practice clip of, of Zach Wilson. Do you, I mean, do you want to tell the listeners what the clip was? It was pretty indicative of, of the 2022 season. So maybe a clip like that will pop up that uh, could be indicative of this year. Yeah, it definitely seemed like an indicator of what was to come. I mean, Zach Wilson rolls to his left and he throws like this flip pass one handed across his body over the middle of the field. It's like three feet above Garrett Wilson's head. <laughs> and he leaps up and snags it with one hand. Definitely would have been intercepted if he didn't make that catch. So, you know, when when you watch that the first time, I think fans are excited about it. Like, can't wait to see these guys doing this all season. Let the kids play. I love that backyard mentality but uh, it's much more an indicator of the recklessness that we saw but at the same time Garrett Wilson bailing him out so it was like a microcosm of what the season turned out to be so yeah I guess you can see little glimpses of what the season's uh potentially going to be I I mean obviously you never want to read into these clips too much this is coming from someone who made like two minute breakdowns of um, rookie was, uh, rookie camp clips. A couple those were jokes, ago. though, right? But they were they were joking. Okay. I was joking in those videos. Uh, but but go check them out. They're fun to make. Uh, you gonna make so any more? I should. I definitely will make some more. Once we the, just once we just these need one. Come out. All I want out of this week, honestly, is just one clip of a Rogers deep ball. I just want a deep ball touchdown to Garrett Wilson because you do get the seven on sevens, the eleven on elevens. We'll see how much they do in this first week. But if we could just get one nice like sixty yard touchdown that I can just watch for the next few weeks. That might hold me over until training camp. That's what we, just like that one he threw to Lazard against the Jets, but to Garrett Wilson. Oh. Over Brandon Eccles again? Was it Brandon Eccles? Yeah. It was Reed it was. covering that one. I think it was Reed covering that throw. Oh, well, he had a, his touchdown was against Eccles. I mean, speaking of Eccles, if we're going to talk serious things that you can take out of this 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 week and the ensuing weeks of OTAs, this is more important for the young guys. I mean, the guys who are on the fringe of the roster, some of the young guys that might be expected to take a leap into a bigger role. Who is this camp most important for when you look at at this roster? I mean, who really does need to have a good camp to kind of solidify their mark on the roster as you head into training camp, you go into that break? I mean, who are you looking for? Uh, to You want to see those those practice tweets from Connor Hughes and Rich Samini talking about, you know, maybe a Zach Koontz touchdown or a Tony Adams interception. Who comes to mind? I think, you know, obviously your mind first goes to the fringe guys, whether that's the fringe of the roster or the fringe of the starting lineup. And in the starting lineup, I think, you know, you're looking at the offensive line first and foremost. And we'll talk more about them later. That's one of our big topics that we got lined up for this middle of May podcast. A little (laughs) spoiler there. But, um, yeah, I think looking at the O-line is first and foremost. But uh, then I think at the bottom of the roster – you got guys like, or maybe this isn't even bottom of the roster, but you know Tony Adams gunning for that start. He's going to start. Yeah, I mean he's a the starter, so I don't know. That, that's not really what I meant by that. I mean I, I was just more just looking at younger guys who maybe right. aren't at the forefront. Um, yeah, you sorted by age, okay? Yeah, they're not veterans. This is a oh, running joke on the podcast. We have different definitions of what a veteran is. Can you remind like, the viewers what your definition is? Because it's I'm, ridiculous. Admittedly, I think you've kind of changed my stance on it, but my original argument was that veterans are only I was initially saying I think 30 plus players, like very oh seasoned players. Yeah. I said year but, 3. But I I've, I've come down. I think it's maybe year 4. Year uh, maybe year 3. First year you're a rookie, that is second year you're a second year player, third year you're a veteran. If you make it 3 That's years fair. in the NFL, you're a vet. You've changed my stance on that, but um 
Nevertheless, what am I the real Michael Nanya? I'm the um, Ghost Rider. Yeah, that's 100% true. Um, but yeah, t- uh, Tony Adams is a big one. I'll be looking at him because he's got a legitimate chance of starting a free safety. Um, Jamie and Sherwood, Quan Alexander, it's starting to look like he m- may not come back. He met with the Steelers, did not sign, and it has been a while at this point, I think at least a week. So maybe that doesn't transpire, but um, he is still a free agent if he doesn't come back. Sherwood and also Hamza Nazaraldine, they'll be competing for that third linebacker spot. So guys like that, and then to actually look at the bottom of the roster more accurately this time, I think Zach Koontz is a guy who's probably more of a fringe player than it would seem. I mean, obviously the Jets drafted him, but it's not uncommon for seventh round picks to not make the team, uh, the initial 53 man roster. So I think he's going to have to show some stuff to be able to stay in the roster, especially on special teams. So uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, wide receiver, the bottom of that depth chart. I think, I don't know if Mims is a complete lock this time, just because, you know, it's year four. He hasn't really shown too much yet. Um, so we'll see if he can fend. I mean, he doesn't have the greatest competition, but can he fend off Irvin Charles, Deontay Spencer, all those guys? So uh, there are some battles to keep an eye on. I don't know if we'll get the biggest, you know, movement or development at this point in the offseason, but you can sort of see the seeds planted before you get to training camp. Yeah, I feel like it's more of an opportunity as much as, you know, the offensive line is probably the biggest question mark on this team. It's more of an opportunity, I think, for the fringe receivers and DBs because you can get a better sense on those those one on one matchups. Who's really flashing, especially when you look at the undrafted free agents. Is there any undrafted free agents or? Anybody from uh, rookie minicamp that is now, you know, on this uh, 90-man roster that you're kind of keeping an eye out for? Is there anybody that kind of jumped off, off the page to you that you think might be able to sneak onto the roster? To be completely honest, and this is a part of being a good team, like we mentioned earlier, no, there really isn't. I don't think... Not even a receiver? Any, I, I really don't think any of these undirected free agents have a chance, and... You know, it's that's a big change compared to what we're used to. Usually the roster is so lacking on depth that, you know, you can identify three to four guys who are like, they have a really good chance to make the team. And often some of them do. But this time around, looking at the roster, I just I just don't see it. I mean, do you have anyone in mind? Well, there's those there's, I would say receivers, the one spot where they might be able to stick, maybe safety as well. Maybe corner. I guess, I guess it is the receiver DBs, like I said. I mean, they had those those three undrafted receivers, uh, Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson, and TJ Luther. I'd be looking to see if any of them can start to make flash plays. I guess this is these are the weeks where you'll kind of get a better sense of, okay, what are the undrafted free agents like? If somebody is consistently making plays in minicamp, then the, the question turns to training camp. Can they repeat it then? And then – turns to preseason games, and then you you wind up with another situation like the Jets have with Robbie Anderson or Bryce Huff, and a guy sticks. I do think ultimately at least one undrafted free agent will stick on this team. I think it's most likely to be a receiver. Um, one of the other things that you can take out of this is kind of the initial starting lineup. Granted, you have to take it with a grain of salt. You know, I think last year I don't think Sauce was the initial starting corner. I think Bryce Hall was. You know, I'd imagine it would be similar for the offensive line. I imagine McGovern might be listed as the starting center. Although when week one comes around, I would imagine Tipman is going to start. I guess let's run through it. What do you, what do you think the initial starting lineup will look like at OTAs um, day one? Uh, we, we can run through it together. Obviously, you know Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback. 
you know, at running back, I mean, Brees is injured. So who's taking those first team reps? Is it, is it Carter or is it, uh, um, why am I completely spaced? Donovan Knight, Jesus. Or is it Donovan Knight? Who's taking those, those first team reps at running back, do you think? I think Carter, but I mean, Knight is in the mix. But like you said, Bryce Hall being the starting corner last year, I think it's more of a name only sort of thing, you know, like earn it before you actually, you know, get the title. So I think it will be Carter based on the experience advantage, but I think Knight could have a chance to pass him by the time the season comes. What about the offensive line? Because this is this is a big question. We will dive into the O-line uh, a little bit more uh, towards the end of this podcast. What's that initial five look like? You, know, you have Becton, who's come out very publicly this week and criticized the Jets coaching staff for playing him at right tackle last year, saying that he was injured, saying that he was complaining to the coaching staff. I mean, I guess this is a good time to hop into that topic. What did, what did you make of that for anybody who didn't see Becton? You know, he's gone – little bit viral, I guess you could say, for you see how uh, much better shape he's in this year compared to years past. We imagine some reporters reached out to him, like, hey, let's write a story on Mekhi Becton's transformation. Within that, he has the the article with Newsday, and in that he, he kind of lampoons the Jets coaching staff a bit. I mean, honestly, it's, it's a bit disappointing to see. Obviously, this is his point of view, and he clearly was frustrated that the Jets were trying to play him at right tackle after a right knee injury. He seems to be equally frustrated this offseason, and maybe that's part of the reason he did go public with it because it sounds like the Jets' plan is to play him at right tackle again this year with Dwayne Brown at, at left tackle. But if Becton really puts his, his you know draws a line in the sand and says, look, I'm only going to play left tackle this year, he has that competition with Dwayne Brown. Who's the opening right tackle? Is it Billy Turner? Is it Max Mitchell? Is it Carter Warren? So I guess we can hop in a little bit to the offensive line, but we'll get into the best case, worst case, most likely article that you wrote a little bit later, but what did you make of, of Becton's story? And and with the OTAs, what does that initial starting five look like to you? I, it, it's definitely frustrating to continuously, you know, have off-field drama with Becton, um, you know, because you would just prefer to see him just stay focused on getting the seat, you know, getting healthy, getting prepared for the season, and just going out there and having the best year he can. But it always seems like there's – more drama with him so it's you know it's not preferred uh, i understand his perspective but at the same time you know as a team you definitely would like to keep the drama down so um ho- hopefully he can stay healthy have a great year and uh you know put all this behind him uh, what happens beyond this year is a whole nother discussion but um for now it's definitely i don't know it's it seems like that he does a little too much talking on social media and, hey i, and I will circle I will uh, say he does he look as like an, he does look in incredible shape right now. He does deserve he does. some credit for that. I mean, he he looks like he, if he can stay healthy, is on track to having a, a great year. What do you think that starting five looks like day one of of OTAs? Is it is it McGovern at center? Is it Brown at left tackle? Is if Becton says, "Hey, I'm not playing right tackle," is he on the bench or is he is he riding with the second teamers? I mean, how do you see this playing out? I think it will be Brown at left tackle. Um, like you said, I think McGovern will be the center to start. Tidman should beat him out eventually. I mean, they barely gave McGovern anything. Well, just barely over a million, I think. Yeah, Schweitzer got more. Um, yeah, so I, I think I mean, maybe even he's the center to start out based on that Schweitzer. Um, I, I think Tidman's going to get it by the time the season starts, but unlikely they give it to him right off the bat. Um, but I, I do think Becton's going to be at right tackle, and you know he's just going to have to give in. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's an odd situation 
because you know it's not often you get a player who again like he's only he hasn't even played a full season's worth of games and he thinks he could demand what position he's going to play uh, i don't know i think he's gonna have to play right tackle just because Dwayne brown is a pure left tackle hasn't played the right side and that's the position that is best for him right now or that's what the team needs so i mean do you think there's a chance he will you know say i'm only playing left tackle he'll be the backup or the jets will give in put him at I think, that first team left tackle what do you think i don't think he would be the i think if he really draws the line in the sand and says look i'm a left tackle clearly he's not going to earn many fans in, in the front office and like you said next year um is a different discussion on whether or not he comes back but i do think he is in store for a big year i think he would probably compete with Dwayne brown for the left tackle job if he really draws the line in the sand but you look at who would be the right tackle i, I guess billy turner if we're just talking otas is probably the the obvious guy to fill in there but you'd hope that through training camp if this is the case if becton says i'm only a left tackle and maybe he beats out Dwayne brown You'd have to hope that maybe Carter Warren or, or Max Mitchell can can fill in there. It is an interesting situation to watch. And that is probably the biggest storyline, I would say, from OTAs to take out is where is Becton playing? Because if he's playing right tackle, that's probably part of the reason he lampooned the coaching staff in this article is because he wants to draw people's attention to the fact that, look, I'm coming off uh, of an injured right knee. I've missed two seasons. You know, as a right tackle, I have to put more weight on that right knee. I don't want to do that. You know, he feels like he's at his best at left tackle. He did have a very good rookie season at left tackle. I get his perspective. Like you said, you would imagine or you'd hope that a player who hasn't played in two years that, you know, isn't really guaranteed anything. I mean, he looks like he could be great, but he has missed two seasons of football. Would keep his head down and keep working. But again, you know, he's put in the work. You know, he looks like he's in phenomenal shape and we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, but that, that to me is the most interesting storyline to watch. You'd imagine some of the other things that you can take away. We can keep running through kind of the initial starting lineups, but it's who's injured. Um, you know, there was a story this week about Ty Johnson. I kind of wanted to get your take on it, who got injured lifting on his own tore pack came to the jets doctors. You know, this is his, uh, side of things, but you know, we'll take him at his word here. Went to the jets doctors said, uh, you, you know, told him that he injured his pack. They told him to get surgery. And then the next day they cut him. It's not uh, an unusual situation in the NFL. It's, it's a little surprising that the it wasn't in the CBA to have some sort of protection for non-football injuries, but it is the nature of the game. And it, I think it is worth noting that I don't think Ty Johnson would have made the final roster to begin with, but, you know, it does still cost him, you know, maybe a shot at, you know, just collecting his paycheck, I guess. Uh, but with OTAs, you get a sense of, okay, who's still injured? I mean, who's not practicing? Who's on the side? Because I guarantee you Ty Johnson isn't the only person who's gotten injured um, you know, in a non-football injury, there's definitely been pulled hamstrings or sprained ankles or whatever that guys are fighting through. So you'll get a better idea of the health of the roster and also the health of guys who are coming off of injuries. I don't expect to see, you know, AVT or Brees or any of those guys on the field. Maybe they'll be doing some sort of individual workouts, which would be great to see. But you kind of get a sense of of the health of the roster. What did you make of that that Ty Johnson situation and kind of just the health of the Jets roster as a whole? It was definitely, I mean, just like the Beckton stuff, it's something that isn't the greatest look and you just prefer for it, it not to be in the news. But I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to know the whole story before you can really judge it because obviously from Ty Johnson's perspective, it's extremely unfortunate and you feel bad for him because you know he was preparing to fight for the roster. He wasn't going to be a lock to make it. He suffers the injury outside of you know the team facility He's going to miss the whole season. Now he's not on the team. So it's 
a really tough break, but at the same time, you know, from the Jets' perspective, it's just part of the business. He's, like we said, a fringe roster player who probably had a 50-50 chance to make the team at best. And so if he's going to be out for the season, it's just, you know, part of the business. But then there's the aspect of, you know, you know Johnson says the Jets uh, told him to get the surgery and then they cut him afterwards uh, and he didn't want to get the surgery. Uh, but, you know, who was he talking to? Was that, you know, forced on him by the by Douglas, by the front office, or was that just a recommendation from the team doctor who didn't know what the team was going to do with him? So um, both sides of it. Yeah, go ahead. Is there really any way for a running back to play through a torn pec? I mean, especially a guy like John, like he can't stiff. Right. Like, I'm not sure how he was like, I guess it seems like he thought he could fight through it, but you could maybe, you could maybe rehab it without the surgery, I guess, but that's also true. Yeah, it's a tough situation all around. But I guess that is another thing you'll get out of these OTAs is seeing, okay, what is the health of the roster uh, looking like? I, I guess to run through the, the, the rest of the uh, starting lineup, you'd imagine tight ends will look similar with Conklin taking the majority of the first-team reps. I'll be interested to see how many reps does Ruckert get. Does, you know, And a, a guy like Mims, too, at receiver. You know, Some of these other fringe guys, new coaching staff, new system – you know, not in the LaFleur doghouse, a guy like Mims. Is Mims getting more first-team reps? Is Rucker getting more first-team reps? They also, I think somebody that we've all completely forgotten about, but Nick Bowden, the fullback. Do the Jets keep a fullback? Does Nathaniel Hackett want to keep uh, want to keep a fullback? You can maybe get a sense of that. Just, you know, we'll see uh, in terms of uh, the plays that they run uh, during uh, these OTA practices. On the defensive side of things, I mean, how do you see that? What's that front four look like to you? Those initial, obviously the Jets are going to rotate like crazy. But on first downs, what's your what's your ideal first down starting four for the Jets? I think if it's first down, you have to have Al Woods out there because you consider that a running situation. Like first and 10, middle of the field, it's probably an Al Woods situation. Um, Quinnen, obviously, next to him. That's well, a Quinn whole is, other discussion. Quinnen's probably not going to be there. so but He's probably not going to be there at this point. But I guess we're just talking – I mean, are we talking about not including Quinnen? what we're going to see on the field or uh, yeah, we're, I guess we're just talking OTAs who, who would fill in for Quinnen. It's interesting. Cause if he gets injured during the season, who is his direct, is it Solomon Thomas? Is it Quentin Jefferson? I guess some combination of both of them. And then who even beyond that would be the next man up is probably an even Penzel more interesting smart. question. Probably smart. Um, I think Clemens some, yeah, Clemens could kick inside. So yeah, that bottom of the defensive tackle depth chart is something interesting to watch. But, I mean, first down, I guess it would be Quinn and Al Woods. I think JFM is still going to be your starting base edge defender and Carl Lawson. I, I do think they're going to stick with that. Speaking of Carl Lawson, he uh, restructured his contract this week. That probably is the biggest news to, to talk about. You'd imagine that there's free – I think the Jets now have about $18 million in cap space, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So he created a lot – for the Jets, they did have to add a few void years, so they'll be paying some dead money to Carl um, in the next few seasons. But he did take a bit of a pay cut, so glad to see that you know they could come to terms on that. You think that that move was just uh, to free up move uh, room for the Rogers restructure, who, by the way, is only making a million this season. Then he's due like 147 million next year, so they've already said they're going to restructure it. They're going to move some money back into this year. We'll see if Rogers takes a bit of a pay cut. That's what I'm really hoping for to see. You know, look, you can make – Rogers, especially if he wins here, it's going to make a hell of a lot of money in marketing and media being in New York City. So maybe you can stomach a bit of a pay cut. 
Um, but at the end of the day, he's still going to get paid, you know, 15 to 20 to $25 million this season. Um, do you think that's all the, the restructure is for, or do you think the jets have one more big swing in them? I mean, they really were, if you, you know, look at, uh, free agency and some of the rumblings, they were trying to make at least one more splash. You know, there was that report that Devonte Adams isn't happy with, uh, with Las Vegas. Could we see some sort of trade for, for a big name at receiver? Deandre Hopkins is unhappy. Um, do you think the jets have one more big swing in them or is this move in your eyes more so to just move, uh, Rogers's money around? Yeah. I don't think I see the splash move. Uh, I think it's more just for, you know, the Rogers factor, like you said, still trying to sign Quinnen, um, things like that, just housekeeping stuff. I don't think there's another big move in the, in the cards. I, I wouldn't rule it out entirely, but it's just not something that personally I see happening. I mean, do you see some sort of chance for that? I'll never say never, especially since the Jets are really going all in on this season. Right. Um, I don't, I don't see it happening, but Hey, if, if Devonte is really unhappy and, you know, the Jets offer Corey Davis and I, really, I mean, what would it even take to get Devontae Adams? I feel like it would, the Raiders would want a premium for a player like that. So I think that's probably more of a pipe dream. The Jets aren't really in a position to be shelling out other draft picks. You know, Corey Davis and Jordan Whitehead and maybe CJ Uzama are kind of their only veteran trading blocks. And I just don't think that's, um, uh, I don't think, I just, I don't see it happening. I agree with you. I think, I think this move is really just to make room for, for the Rogers money, but Hey, if Adams is really unhappy and Rogers is willing to take a massive pay cut to make it happen. Maybe they could make it happen. I mean, they are going all in on this season. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say never say never, especially as we get into training camp, we'll see with injuries and whatnot, but no, I'm not, I'm not expecting that uh, at all. Um, I think the other interesting part about the starting lineup and really the only surprise I guess is would be with the safeties because Jordan Whitehead was a guy that I really did pencil in as a guy who's going to be an automatic cut. The Jets could free 7 million. You know, I thought he he did make some big flash plays last year. The Jets spoke very highly of him, but at the end of the day, once they brought in Chuck Clark, who performed better, much cheaper, both guys are seemingly strong safeties. It seemed like a foregone conclusion. He'd be out of here, but here he is at practice, you know, and it seems like it's in the Jets cards to have both Whitehead and Adams um, and Chuck Clark. It'll be interesting to see how they deploy them all. Without bringing back Quan. you'd imagine that they're going to give Chuck Clark a lot more reps at linebacker. But we'll get a sense of that in OTAs. Obviously, nothing crazy. Um, how do you see the Jets deploying their safety? I mean, is there any chance that Whitehead's listed as Whitehead or Clark is listed as a, as a free safety? And then, you know, is, when they get to third down, that's when they bring in Adams and move Clark to linebacker. I mean, how do you see What's that first down safety look like? I mean, look, hell of a run defense to have two strong safeties like that, but you do leave yourself open in the back end. Although I guess you could say the Jets have some damn good corners to, to make up for it. So how do you see the, the starting safeties playing out day one of OTAs? I think Adams is just going to win that free safety job and it's going to be Whitehead or not Whitehead, either Whitehead or Clark, I should say. Um, I think they'll compete for that starting strong safety so, so job. So one of on the bench? No, I think whoever doesn't get that, I do think we're going to see more of those big nickel packages, more strong safety in the box with Quan not being there. Right. Um, if he doesn't come back, um, I think we're going to see more of that. Whoever, whoever that is who doesn't start, I think we'll Probably see. Clark. Or, even if they do start, I think we could even maybe see some interchangeability more so than here's your one starter who plays every snap. I think you could see some rotation and then some extra reps you know, at 
as that sub linebacker. So maybe that would mean you get less of whoever that third linebacker ends up being, which, you know, you think Sherwood maybe gets that right now, but could be Nazaldine. But I think that's what we'll see. Some more uh, flexibility with using three safeties to get some snaps for whoever that guy is. But I, I just think they like Tony Adams made the team as an undrafted player last year, started at the end of the season, looked pretty good. And they didn't, they seemed pretty comfortable, uh, comfortable not doing anything at all at safety this off season, which doesn't necessarily have to directly indicate that they like Adams, but it, I think it has to contribute a little bit because if they really didn't like them, they would be a lot more desperate, I think to add a safety. So, I just think they like him and uh, not to say they'll hand it to him, but I think he's going to prove to them that he deserves it. Yeah. There were rumblings that they were in on a few veteran free, free safeties like Jimmy Ward, but ultimately they weren't willing to meet that price. And like you said, I do think they're high on Tony Adams. I really do like the the idea. If this is what they're doing now, granted, I, I really hope that they're able to get Whitehead to take a bit of a pay cut because it does, he does seem overpaid, especially when you look at the rest of the roster, when you look at the highest paid jets, um, pretty big discrepancy in terms of talent and, and, uh, uh, and salary. And Whitehead's one of those guys who's just getting overpaid at this point, I would say, but I really do like the idea of having um, one of these safeties playing linebacker, you know, with their draft strategy, as soon as they brought in Sala, I mean, the two guys that are the backup linebackers, Jamie and Sherwood and Hans and Nazarene, both safeties. So clearly this is something that Sala has been thinking about and likes in terms of his linebackers. He wants fast guys. He wants guys he can trust in coverage, hard hitters, and it's a shift to a more modern NFL when you see faster players, RPO packages. I mean, it, it's cool to see the Jets on the cutting edge of something uh, instead of trying to play catch up. And I think that is really what you're seeing here is a, a move more to those big nickel packages. Um, I, I think you're right. I think not paying Quan is is a sign that, hey, Chuck Clark is going to be basically a starting linebacker for this team. What do you think about that that idea? I mean, they did it a little bit, like I said, with, with Sherwood and Azaldine, but they really tried to make them full-time linebackers have them out on weight. It seems like with Clark and Whitehead, they're still going to be technically safeties, but you're going to see them in the box a hell of a lot more fulfilling that linebacker um, duty and playing linebacker, but just still bringing the speed athleticism and, and coverage skills of a safety. What do you think of, of that idea? And how does it, how do you feel about the jets being on the cutting edge of, of something in the NFL? Yeah, it's, it's not something we see a lot of, but it's, you know, since Salah came in, he's really shown some forward thinking, um, I would say with the way they've handled linebacker and just, you know, going for smaller, more athletic guys. And a lot of them, really more than half of them in terms of the guys they brought in are, have been converted safeties. So um, it's been cool to see. And if they go through with this plan, you know, playing Clark or Whitehead as a pseudo linebacker, um, you know, it has its risks and its benefits. I think the risk is, you know, you know they're both, good run defenders are considered good run defenders. I think Whitehead last season missed a lot of tackles. Wasn't the greatest season, but you know, that's his perceived strength playing in the box, being a hard hitter, a guy who's like a wrecking ball. Um, and Clark, I think is a more refined version of that. Maybe not as physical or as, you know, as much of a wrecking ball as Whitehead might be, but a much more sound tackler um, and disciplined run defender, but they're both considered good box defenders, but, to replace, you know, that linebacker role that, you know, for the Jets, Quan was playing, it is a pretty big downgrade in size because Quan is 227, Clark is 205, I think. 
Uh, yeah, he's 205. I think Whitehead's even smaller than that. I'm bringing it up right yeah. now. Uh, Whitehead's 198. So it is a pretty big downgrade in size, even though they are good run defenders. It is a little bit different because, you know, when a safety drops down to play the run, it's usually, you know, they'll maybe start a little bit higher and then they'll creep down. They'll take on a tight end at the edge, maybe a little bit different than a linebacker who will stay in the box and the O-line's accounting for them. And a lot of the times they'll end up against a guard, against a tackle. So it is different. And there is some risk in that size downgrade, but I think they both have the skill set to do it well. And we've seen it in spurts. If you look at um, both of their film, they do it not as much as the Jets may ask one of them to do this year, but occasionally you do see um, both Whitehead and Clark basically play linebacker and do pretty well. And I think the one of the big positives that come with it is what you get in coverage, because, you know, if you have a third safety on the field instead of, a third linebacker that's more speed, more range, more pure coverage skills, uh, more matchup ability. Makes up for Mosley. Yeah, definitely accounts for that because it, because I, I think Mosley's a good player at this stage still, but he's definitely not a guy who you're ever going to want to you know put man-to-man on somebody. But if you drop another safety down there into that linebacker line, you know, that second level where the linebackers are, that gives you a guy who, if you need to, like, say they flex out a tight end, flex out the running back, something like that, you can put your safety on him and feel a lot better about that than if it were, you know, a linebacker in that position. So uh, they're, it's, a, it's a unique uh, potential thing that they can end up doing. All right, going back to my earlier point, I, I don't want you to look it up. Can you guess the top five highest cap hits on this Jets roster? I mean, think about all the big names that they've added for this the talent on this team. Yes. All, all, everybody we're excited about, the people you see in the promotional material. Don't look it up. Who are the top five highest cap numbers? Let's hear it. Who's number one? Tomlinson's got to be in there. Well, I, I want to hear it in order. Who's number one? In order? Yeah. Can I just do top five? For all, right, fine, order? all right, all right, all right, fine. Who are the five? Go easy on me. I'm, <laughs> I don't have an encyclopedic you know, memory of the cap here. So yeah, only only random analytics and Jets uniforms. Jets uniforms I do have encyclopedic knowledge. Cap, very good, not quite to the uniform level. But uh right, so you I, say Thompson has to be up there. Okay. Um, you see, I'll get I'll tell you where they where they are. He's four. Is Uzama in the top five this year? No. Let me make sure I'm on twenty twenty four or not. Yeah. No, oh yeah, twenty twenty three. All right, cool. Yeah. No, he's not. Is Corey Davis uh, up there? Yes, he is. He's three. Okay. Uh, is Lazard yep. making it, or he's probably got a low number this year, so no. Lazard's not in it, no. Dwayne Brown? Yep, he's two. I guess I should uh, say the numbers. You can pause for a second. Dwayne Brown's making okay. $11.2 million. Corey Davis making just over $11 million. And Lincoln Tomlinson's making over $10.8 10, $10. So you're missing number five and number one. Who are they? Is Reed up there? No. Uh, Whitehead? Yes. Whitehead's number five at 10.2. I know he had like a very low first year and it went up to 10, I think 10 this year, right? Yeah. So who's the number one cap hit on the team? I haven't gotten number one yet. You got it. You, you know it. Uh, oh, come on. You're going to, you're going to kick yourself. It's not Rogers. Our, our listeners are screaming it out loud right now. Come on. It's not Rogers. You were just talking about him. Am I? Do I sound really stupid right now? I mean, we are talking about. Is it offense or defense? Defense. 
Come on. Please help me out. Uh, CJ Mosley. Come on oh now. 21.4 million, the worst contract the McCagan It's 10.35. It's really late. All right. All right. I'll give you that. But isn't that crazy? The top five highest paid Jets are CJ Mosley, Dwayne Brown, Corey Davis, Lakin Tomlinson, and Jordan Whitehead. I mean, on a team with like all these superstars that we're all excited about, not a single one is in the top five highest paid. Um, yeah, that's wild. I, I guess Joe Douglas deserves some credit for that. But, you know, the uh, we do have a cap podcast planned for this summer to really dive into the. I don't know why I wasn't getting Mosley faster. Well, because you wouldn't expect him to be bit, getting paid $21.5 million this season. <laughs> but hey, I actually, I don't I should, agree with I should have got that much quicker. You, you knew, I knew you knew it. But um, I, I don't agree with all the CJ Mosley hate. I think that the contract makes people hate him more. He's still a damn good player, super high uh, IQ, a leader for this team, helps a lot in the run defense. I love CJ Mosley, but damn, at $21.4 million this year, that's tough. It's a tough contract. Um, I guess we can get into the meat and potatoes of what this this podcast was supposed to be, but that's, that's the OTAs. I'm sure storylines will pop up. We'll see about the Quinn and contract situation, of course. You know, removing the Jets from his Instagram or from his Twitter bio and unfollowing them as all players upset with their contracts do these days. I do expect that deal to get done before training camp. I will say, and you said this to me, I think every player that's done that has ultimately ended up resigning with their team. So maybe do you think that has an effect at all? Like, do you think Joe Douglas is sitting in his office like, oh, Quinnen just unfollowed us on Instagram? <laughs> no, I just, it's more of just like a media play. It's just to put pressure on the Jets and the media. That's all it is. But, no, I don't think it really has a big – and then he also liked a tweet that said it wasn't about the numbers. It was about the the length of the contract, which also gives me hope that this thing will get done fairly soon. Um, but, you know, soon might be – I think it will get done before training camp is, is how I feel about it. He'll get paid. Salah's not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. He's going to get his money. He deserves it. It'll be nice to see the Jets, you know, pay a homegrown player. Is there any – I guess I should ask you this, you know – we're also quick to say the Jets should pay Quinnen. I agree with it. He play, plays an integral part of this defense. He's a damn good player. He's been here since the beginning. I'm sure you can tell all the young guys in the in the locker room the horror stories of, of the Adam Gase era. Um, but, you know, I, I do think about a completely different situation, but I figure we should bring it up. I remember how on board I was for the Jets paying Muhammad Wilkerson back in, in 2016 homegrown player coming off a dominant season. They need to pay him. They need to send this message that if you perform, you'll get paid. And then obviously, you know, Mo Wilkerson was dealing with some other stuff, apparently off the field showed up, wasn't the same player. Do you have any concerns about paying a guy in Quinnen who really didn't blow up until this season? But again, he was still good in 2020. He battled injuries in 2021 and was, was still solid. Um, but is there any, I mean, I guess there's always fear once you pay a guy, how is he going to be once he has the money? But is there any argument for not paying Quinnen or for, for waiting, especially with all the money the Jets are, are throwing out? Or do you think, you know, this is a deal that has to get done before training camp? Well, I mean, Joe Douglas has shown he's a line in the sand guy. That's that's not to I say. I think we said that four times in this podcast. Now, I, think... line in the sand is come... I was the only thing, the only euphemism I could come up it's with. It's just a classic Joe Douglas line. Not, not from him himself, but describing Joe Douglas. I, I mean, are there any other cliches we use for Doug? Douglas a lot. I think there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> he wants leaders of men. He wants guys who love, yeah. hate, what is it? Hate guys losing more than they love winning. Hate losing more than they love to win. Those are some Joe Douglas cliches. But he, he has shown, like with Marcus Williams in free agency last year, like there is a line that he won't cross. Where's and that line? 
with Quinn and I don't I, yeah, I do you think he would go to like 28 29 no. if that's really how high Quinn wants to go 27 no I think I think the average per year is going to be around 24 24 and a half they're going to get it done like it's going to be a moot discussion at some point but um it, it's just taking its time but uh he, I, there are concerns in terms of you know is he guaranteed to get 12 sacks every year going forward probably not and it's fair to be concerned about you know he just had I didn't just have one good year because he was really good in the previous two years, just not this dominant or consistent. Um, so it is fair to be concerned when you have a breakout contract year and it's the only year you've had at that level. So it's you know, something to keep in mind, but at the same time, it's not enough to you know justify not paying him. You have to keep him because you just don't get homegrown players who are that good and not only that good, but that important to what you do that often because just look at this defensive line without him it's very good but especially the interior where are you if you don't have Quinn and Williams it you, you take Quinn and Williams out of the interior it's frankly well below average I think so yeah. he's very important to the Jets and he'll be back I think when you're gonna when you're gonna give a guy big money a big money extension you're not just playing the, you're not just paying the player you're paying the person and I think that's the big difference between his situation and, and Muhammad Wilkerson the Jets obviously have a much better understanding of who Quinn Williams the person is, but they've spoken quite highly of him and his work ethic. And I think if you believe in Quinn and the person, I think you're comfortable giving him this money because Quinn and the player is as dominant as they come. Um, you know, not to to compare him to Becton, who, by the way, I love Becton. I think he's in, in store for a huge season. He's clearly putting the the work. I'm excited to watch him, and I think he's going to be a big part of of any success the Jets have. But I think but, the concern yeah, here comes a, the but. whenever there's a long buildup, you know, yes. there's a buck. The concern is is back to the person. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything like that, but you know, the injury, missing the 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 last two years, adding all the weight, the off the field antics and going to social media. And I know Quentin just removed the Jets from, from his bio, but he's never gone public you know, on the record lampooning the coaching staff like Becton just did. I don't think Becton's going to get that extension because of that. Even if Becton, look, and I think, you know, I, I like Becton. I'm not trying to, I'm in no room to criticize Becton the person, but when you look at the difference in how Quinnen has, has represented the organization, how Becton has represented the organization, there is a clear difference. And when you're giving out big money to these guys, it does matter. And I think that's Quinnen's going to get paid. And that's why I don't think Becton will get his, his contract in a year from now, but Hey, who knows? I, Becton, I think, is, is in store for a big year. I think part of the reason he won't get that money is I think he's going to price himself out of the Jets' uh, price range. I think he's he's in store for a big year. Jets won't have the money. And there are always going to be the questions of, can this guy stay healthy? If he gets hurt, can he keep off the weight? You know, Is he just in this shape because it's a contract year? You have those questions. Um, and this is a guy who's shown willingness to go public with his grievances. And that's something that NFL organizations don't like. Um so for all those reasons, Quinnen's just checks every single box and the type of guy you'd want to pay, and I think it'll get done. Speaking of Becton, let's talk about this offensive line. You wrote a great article this week um, because this this unit is really going to make or break this season. You have a 39 year old quarterback that you got to keep healthy. The basis of your team, despite having that Hall of Fame quarterback, is going to be running the football. The Jets want to be dominant on the ground, play great defense, and then have Aaron Rodgers beat you when it matters. But they need to have a dominant unit, or at least an above average unit. Uh, with this line to keep Rodgers healthy, to be able to control the clock, to be able to run the football. Uh, and and you broke it all down, the best case, the worst case, the most likely case. Because when you look at this offensive line, the ceiling is is quite high, but the floor is kind of scary low. 
for, for a team that's in win now. Um, let's start with the let's start with the best case. Let's you know we'll, we'll keep it optimistic here. Uh, I think the presumed starting five, and again, it all depends on if Becton is willing to play right tackle. But the presumed starting five, as it stands right now, is Dwayne Brown at left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, Joe Tipman at center, Elijah Vera Tucker at right guard, and uh, Makai Becton at right tackle. Injuries will change that. We'll see about Becton. We'll see about Tipman, and you know if Lakin isn't playing well the first few weeks of the season, would would they swap him out despite his uh, insanely large cap hit? Um, but with that starting five, Michael, what does the best case scenario look like for that starting five? Well, yeah, in, in this article I made, I went through the best case scenario, worst case, and and like a middle ground between those two to try and see the outlook of this unit going into the year. And I considered injuries in these scenarios, and I did use PFF grades to base doing this. Oh, boo. And, uh, All right, we can just which, turn this. Yeah. Look, we've, we've discussed that a lot on here. They have a lot of very interesting conclusions to say the least, but it, it is really the only thing you can use to quantify offensive linemen. There's pretty much not, nothing else out there. If you're looking at like so. offensive line stats. So it, it, it really was the only way to do it. So um, you can turn off the podcast. Now you could <laughs> go ahead and come at me for that. But, but it, it was a good tool for the purpose of this study, just to have a way to quantify players and compare them against the rest of the league. So, just want to put the disclaimer out there. But uh, yeah, so to start with the best case scenario, I mean, the thing is with this offensive line, as scary as the floor is, and we'll get into that because it is very low, the ceiling is high. If, you know, things can break right, which, you know, it's going to be tough for all these things to break right. But if they do, they, they do have enough talent to legitimately be very good. And looking at this best case scenario, I didn't even go too optimistic with it. I wanted to keep it within reason. All I really did was push Dwayne Brown up to being a league average tackle, which is about what he was in Seattle in 2021. So let's say he stays healthy, no lingering issues. He's average. Tomlinson, he gets back to where he was in San Francisco two years ago. There's no reason he can't do that. He's only 31 years old this year. He doesn't have injury issues that we know of right now. So he's got to lay off the donuts. Does have to do that. Too many donut tweets for our liking. Just, <laughs> Every time he makes a donut tweet, Michael sends it to me. He's like, can this guy stop talking about fucking donuts for the love of God? Hey, it, if he makes another Pro Bowl, he can tweet about them all day. But you know how we are as fans. We're overly critical of everything if you're not playing well. So that's that's that. But um, yeah. He can get back to that level. Not to say he'll make another Pro Bowl, but and, and I don't even think he was actually playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's more like you know top fifteen, top eleven to fifteen type of guard. Um, he can get back to that. He's healthy. He's still not too old. We've got Rogers coming in, who should balance out a lot of the communication stuff that was an issue for Tomlinson specifically last year. So that's part of this best case scenario. Tipman he comes in and has a really solid season. So he's like a top eight to 10 center just started out. We've saw Tyler Linderbaum last year. He was great. Creed Humphrey out of the second round two years ago. He was great to start. So not out of the question. We see this a lot. AVT comes back. He was already great last year. Let's say he keeps that up. And then back in a right tackle stays healthy, improves off his rookie year where he was, he was good, but he wasn't consistent. I think he does want to improve off of that 
let's say he takes another step and is like a top 10 to 15 type tackle. So those five things, are they all going to happen? It's not likely. But none of those scenarios individually for each of those players are too optimistic or unrealistic. If you get all that with the grades that I laid out in the article, which is based off of where these players have been recently, the Jets would have landed with an average grade of 73.6 last year. That would have been fourth best in the league behind uh, Chiefs, Eagles, and Falcons. So that that's not out of the question. Again, not likely, but you know, you get some good luck with injuries. Aaron Rodgers stables, stabilizes things with just it's a veteran presence under quarterback. And, you know, it's it's possible. The talent is there for it to be a, an elite offensive line if they can stay healthy. Yeah, injuries are obviously the, the big concern. Although I do like the depth. I do think that is the one thing that you can definitely say yeah. has improved with this unit is the depth is much better. If the Jets do lose, you know, three tackles again, I still feel better about you know, Billy Turner or Carter Warren or Max Mitchell filling in. Then when the Jets were getting down to Cedric Obwehi, who are some of the other tackles that they had, Connor McDermott. Um, the depth oh, is... He was playing guard. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he played pretty well there. But the depth is much better. So when the injuries happen, they're better suited to tackle them. Like you said, the veteran quarterback, you know, if, if, if your quarterback is, is able to identify the defense pre-snap and get the ball out of his hands in two and a half seconds doesn't really matter. Your offensive line doesn't matter as much than when he's, you know, trying to protect a younger bit of a scatterbrained uh, quarterback and Zach Wilson, who's dancing around behind the line of the script behind the line of scrimmage. It makes the offensive line look worse. So I do agree that you're going to get a better year from this unit than last year. It's just how good. Um, when you look at worst case scenarios though, I think it could get dark for this unit. Um, especially when you think about all it takes is, one bad rep, and I don't want to say it, but all it takes is one bad rep to really ruin this season. What's the worst case look like for this unit? Yeah, I think worst case, as high as the floor is, or as high as the, um, the ceiling is, the floor is low. Like, let's start with the left side. Dwayne Brown, Lake, and Thompson. Both of them were pretty low-ranked players at their positions last year. Let's say they don't improve at all and play exactly as they did last year. Not out of the question. Um, I don't think that will happen because of what we said with Rodgers, but uh, it's not impossible. So I think that's part of it. Um, then Joe Tipman at center, he's a rookie and you never know what you're going to get from a rookie. He could have a great season. I think he will. It does and help that, that he's a bigger, that he's a bigger rookie, you know, cause that is the big does, adjustment yeah. for a lot of rookies in the interior is just the size difference. That definitely helps. That's a good point because I think, I think you, read about a lot of linemen who you know they have to bulk up add more weight max mitchell is kind of in that mold Tipman really is not that guy at all so that helps but uh but yeah he's a rookie so you don't know what you'll get maybe he struggles to start avt avt is the one guy who aside from injuries i'm not really afraid of him getting worse so even in this worst case scenario i think he should still be good that was me but, knocking uh, on wood if you heard that definitely we need to do that more often because we say a lot of bold stuff on here <laughs> but um but then back to the right tackle there's definitely a chance that he is not quite as good as he was in his rookie year it's been three years at this point you know he's had to put in a lot of time rehabbing hasn't been on the field getting a lot of reps so he could decline so you get all those things on the field injuries then have to be a part of the worst case scenario uh, and in this worst case scenario I laid out, I estimated that 
the Jets starters would only play 70% of possible games, which is missing 25 starts combined over the course of the year. Um, So then you get that and you subtract the performance even more because you're having backups play so many games. And granted, I think the depth is better, like you said, but backups are backups. They're probably going to play worse than the starters. So you account for that. And then I estimated that with all these things happening, going against last year's rankings for the offensive line, they would have been 27th. And coincidentally, that's the exact same ranking they had last year. So the floor is that they could be just as bad as they were last year. And if Which would still be better. Strike, it could better definitely happen. That definitely raises the floor. I think that is worth considering, just in the sense that even if the offensive line plays exactly the same, it's not going to hurt as much because Rodgers just isn't going to take the sacks that Wilson was taking. He's going to get the ball out quicker. Unless Zach and, is forced to play. Unless unless that happens. So <laughs> you throw that in too, and then the floor is definitely <laughs> low here. What's the most likely scenario? Obviously, Did you knock on wood there? No offense, Zach. I, I knocked on wood. There we go. Um, I did as well. What's the most likely uh, scenario in your eyes? How do you see this offensive line playing out? And also, I'll throw in there, what do you think the offensive line combination ultimately is? Um, I'm trying to figure out how to word this because I don't want you to predict injuries or anything, but what do you think the best five is, I guess? Because if I'm being honest, I think Dwayne Brown opens the season at left tackle. But I don't know if he's the left tackle is, you know, when the Jets are hopefully fighting for a playoff spot. So what do you think, think the most just, likely scenario is? Yeah, I think it comes down to Max Mitchell and his development. Do you feel good about him as a starting right tackle? And if you do, then I'd take Becton at left tackle over Brown. But it's just, you know, if Mitchell isn't ready, and you could throw Carter Warren into that, although that's a much bigger wild card considering he's a rookie. Uh, if you feel good about that, then I think it's Becton on the left and Mitchell starting the right tackle. But uh, without that, I think Becton's just going to have to suck it up and play right tackle. I I understand where he's coming from, you know, considering the knee that he injured is, you know, the knee that you're putting more pressure on on the right side and the fact that he just feels more comfortable at left tackle. But unfortunately, you don't really get to have a say when you're a player who hasn't played in three years. And it's just the best for this team right now, pending Max Mitchell's development uh, for Beckton to be a right tackle. But if Mitchell looks good in his second year and he showed some promise as a rookie, um, then then I think it could be considered to have Beckton at left tackle. But um, but looking at the most likely scenario that I laid out here in the article, uh, I tried to find the exact midpoint between the ceiling and the floor that I laid out. And with all of that, so basically everyone going right in between the best case I laid out and the worst case I had and, and the injuries also I had, you know, not quite as bad as that worst case, but uh, not great health. Like I had in that best case scenario, uh, considering all those things, I had them ending up uh, with a combined performance that would have put them as the 10th best offensive line last year. So I, I think the floor or, or, Let's not say the floor, like the midpoint for this offensive line or the median that they could end up at is, I think that's better than people realize. The floor is undoubtedly low. We discussed that. The ceiling is high. I think a lot of people recognize that. But I think like the middle line is is pretty high. You know, as long as they don't get catastrophically injured and you don't get, you know, 
a terrible season rookie year from Tittman or like zero progression from Brown or Tomlinson. I think there's enough here to where this is still an above average offensive line, as long as it's not a, you know, disastrous in terms of injuries. So I think the, the expectation is higher than some people may think it is. Well, and I think also, you know, you talk about it being disastrous in terms of injuries, but even if injuries do really hit this this offensive line hard, I still think you can make an argument that even if the Jets lose three of these starters, this unit is still better than some of the lines that they've put up in years past, which is you know, low bar to clear. Um, but, you know, if the Jets are faced with a situation this season where they're playing, you know, if that's, they have to start Billy Turner at left tackle and Max Mitchell at right tackle and Wes Schweitzer has to plug in at left guard. And, you know, I'm still taking that unit over some of the uh, – the units that we've seen this year. And on top of that, having a veteran quarterback, granted things change if he gets injured, but having a veteran quarterback like Rogers and some of the offensive lines that he's had to deal with, I'm still confident in this Jets offense's ability to, to move the football and, and still put up points. Um, so I don't think the floor is as low. I, I see what you're saying in terms of like the PFF grades that could be as low as they were last year, but even if injuries hit, even if guys like Lakin don't bounce back and Dwayne Brown don't bounce back, I still am not as worried about this offensive line. Could it could it be better? Could it be more dominant? Absolutely. But the ceiling with guys like Becton and AVT and Tipman is so high. And then you add the rest of the roster around it. I think this is a unit that can carry the Jets deep into the deep into the playoffs. Um, I guess I'll, I'll pose this pose this question to you. Okay, let's say every all five starting offensive linemen get injured, right? So I guess your starting left tackle is, is Carter Warren, maybe. Your left guard is, is Wes Schweitzer. Your center is McGovern. Your right guard is Tristan Colon. And your right tackle is Max Mitchell. Is there a Jets offensive line in the last five years that you would take that over? Because I think I would take it over. 2018 and 19? Yeah. I mean, that's a low bar to clear. But but the ceiling on that offensive line, still when you have young guys like Carter Warren and, and Max Mitchell who – you don't like, know what they're I don't, don't want to overpraise it. Like I would oh, no, no, that's little... that's when we get into the mode of the podcast that we used to have a few years ago where you're trying to pencil in, you know, uh right. Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles as, as starting corners. But that's that's the mode that we had been in a few years ago. It's different Reasons with the win not to team. draft Sauce Gardner. There were a lot hey, of people out there. Hey, you can name search my CYJ pod and sauce. <laughs> I had some positive sauce tweets in there. I did a poll. I kind of want to retweet it, but I'm not trying to trying to drum up any drama, but we, I did a poll in February that was like, what would be your reaction if the Jets took sauce at number four? And the majority were, hated it. Isn't that crazy? I guess it's not that crazy when you look at the Jets Twitter, but we were all too high on our, on the, uh, not our, I'm not on the Jets. I, I'm not going to say we and our, or our, whatever. I say we, come but on. If you're a diehard, you we, say we. we were too high on the Jets corners coming out of 2021. Let's just say that. Yeah, I would agree with that. You want to talk about corners. Uh, how about that debate between Jets Twitter and Dolphins Twitter? And you just completely eviscerated any sort of uh, – I should give some context. Obviously, the Dolphins have made some moves this offseason, brought in Jalen Ramsey. They have Xavier Howard. They have some big names in that secondary. And then I forget who even who had the initial tweet, but he was ranking position groups, and he had – for corners, he had the Dolphins as number one and the Jets as number two which clearly is just based off of name value. Number three, actually, he had Dallas. It was Ryan Clark oh from God. ESPN. Oh. He had Dallas number two. Well, the, sorry, and there was another guy on Twitter who had, had the Jets as two and, and the Dolphins as one. Yeah, and it's I think clear... there's another one. Yeah. Bottom line, That's... a lot of people had the Dolphins above the Jets. And then when you break down the actual numbers, it's not even close. 
on who had the best corner, you know, who had the best corners last year. When you look at the unit going forward, who has the best corners right now? Obviously, guys can fall off, injuries can happen, but it is funny that it's the state of, of most, you know, NFL analysis and just sports analysis as a whole is the name value outweighs the actual production because Xavier Howard did not have a good year last year. Jalen Ramsey has been toasted. I mean, look, he's still a great corner and he's going to have a solid season, but it's not like Jalen Ramsey did not have um, the type of season that DJ Reed had last year. Although if you ask most NFL fans, who's better between DJ Reed and Jalen Ramsey and uh, granted still probably take Ramsey over Reed, right? But you look at the production, DJ Reed outperformed him quite a bit. And that's not even counting Michael Carter. The second, can you just give the, the breakdown you, you had, uh, of the Jets corner unit versus the Dolphins corner unit and why you think this Jets uh, corner unit is the best in the NFL? Well, yeah, as you said, I think this uh, specific situation is sort of a – it sums up the way that a lot of people kind of analyze football, and it applies to all sports, I think, um, you know, to where we're just giving the flowers to the guys who are already well-known, already established – and it's like they don't have to play well anymore to prove that they're good because they made the Pro Bowl five years ago. So they're still really good. They're good forever just because they're a five-time Pro Bowler. And, and that's all really Pro Bowls are. Once you make one, you're just in it every single year until you're old. So that's how Pro Bowls work. But but anyway. <clears throat> CJ Mosley um, was in the Pro Bowl this year, which is. Which I think it applies to him, unfortunately. Yes. He's a good player. I don't think he should have been in the Pro Bowl. Nevertheless. Um, yeah, with the Dolphins, they obviously added Ramsey, put him next to Howard. Both these guys were in the Pro Bowl last year, but you look at the numbers, and it makes no sense that either of them were in the Pro Bowl, and it makes even less sense to uh, to claim that they're better than the Jets duo of Gardner and DJ Reed. Um, Howard last year allowed the most yards per target of any cornerback in the league with at least 500 snaps, um, 10.3 yards a target. Gardner at the second fewest of any corner, 4.4. Reed was fifth best at 5.6. So not even close in that department. Touchdowns, Ramsey gave up seven last year. That was tied for the second most. Howard gave up six, 13 between the two of them. Sauce and Reed combined for three. So just you go down the board, the coverage stats aren't even close. Penalties, 13 combined for Ramsey and Howard. Gardner and Reed at seven. You just go up and down, and it's not even close. Ramsey and Howard were not good in coverage last year, but they just made the Pro Bowl because people know who they are based off previous seasons. So there's a lot of that in the league where, you know, we're ignoring the fact that the the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And sometimes we forget that, and we don't look at the production from this year, and we're just going off of name brand. So it's a travesty read was not in the Pro Bowl last year, especially with Howard getting picked over him, considering just he was near the bottom in almost every single coverage-related category. Other than pass deflections, Howard was just burnt toast in every coverage stat, and Reed is top 20 in just about everything. So, uh, so yeah, I think it, it was, it's an interesting that the Dolphins' cornerback duo is considered to be on the Jets' level by some people. And And look, like you said, Things can change. Injuries can happen. Guys can regress. Ramsey and Howard could bounce back because they are talented players who have been stars in the past um, and are obviously have elite talent. So any things can change. Anything can happen. But just based on last year, it was no contest. Jets cornerback duo was 
the best in the league and Howard really struggled and Ramsey was, uh, he was still good in some areas, but not up to his usual standard. So uh, there's a lot to prove for that duo before I think they should be considered anything for the Jets or any team to be afraid of. How much, I mean, I do, I did what you will never do and look at the hellscape of, of replies. And I did see some Dolphins fans pointing out, hey, we got Vic Fangio now. Um, they're expecting a bit of a bounce back from Xavier and Howard. Uh, they also pointed out, hey, Rogers had a down year and you're expecting him to have a bounce back, which to that I would say, I think the athletic differences in a quarterback versus a corner are quite different. And also Rogers really wasn't that bad last year playing with a broken thumb and you know, we can make excuses all day long, but I think for a corner, once you start to see that regression as they get into the thirties, it's less likely to see the bounce back, but Hey, Vic Fangio is a hell of a defensive coach. Maybe he's able to get something out of him, but if I'm not mistaken, his system is predicated on, on press man coverage. So I don't know how much coaching up he could do for, for 30 year old corners and Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. That's going to make them that much better in coverage. What would you say to Dolphins fans that, that kind of pointed out to the, the scheme difference and changes from, from last year to this year. I, I mean, it, it's definitely something to keep in mind. And like we said, like bounce backs can happen and Fangio coming in, he's been very successful as a defensive coordinator and he's facilitated a lot of great secondary play, you know, with his aggressive coverage scheme, it's brought the best out of a lot of good corners. Most recently in Denver, they were very good defensively under him. So, We'll see what happens. I think it could get a bounce back out of those guys. But as you said, I think the style of coverage that he wants his corners to play is also very uh, very athleticism reliant. So as aging corners, maybe more so for Howard because he's 30 this year. Ramsey's still, I think, going to be 29 this year. Uh, and he's probably been the better player. So, But either way, you know, that's... You know, when you're playing press man coverage, that's like pure athleticism, just matching guys as they go across the field. So that is something that you think you would think would be uh, an issue for aging corners. So that's, I guess, what I would say to that. But but I I do acknowledge the fact that, like, look, none of this is set in stone going forward. It can change. It's just that based on last year, it wasn't really close at all. And that's just the main point. And it's not even factoring in Michael Carter the second. Where would you rank right. him among nickel corners in the NFL? I was actually looking at this specifically earlier, just looking at coverage stats of guys who mostly played in the slot. And I would I'd probably say he was like top top three Jesus. last year. Yeah, I'd say top three. Wow. Among slot guys, top three to five. There, there aren't a ton of guys who do what he does, like playing the vast majority of their snaps in the slot there there are a lot of guys who do it like 20 to 50 percent of the time but he i think carter led the league in terms of percentage of snaps in the slot but uh but yeah he kept the mistakes down really well as much as well as any slot corner in the league that's what i think puts him up there i think he only had one touchdown allowed last year does not miss a lot of tackles does not commit a lot of penalties um defends the run really well he had some games at the end of the year where he gave up some chunks of yardage um, that put his yardage numbers to a good, but not great level. But in a lot of those other categories, like I mentioned, touchdowns, penalties, tackling run defense, he's very high ranked in all of those. What do you think is more underrated him or Reed? Probably I would say Carter. Cause really outside of the jets, 
he's probably even less well known than Reed is, as as underrated as as Reed is himself, not even making the Pro Bowl. Um, I, I'd say Carter, but I mean, I, you also have an argument for Reed because he should have been in the Pro Bowl and he wasn't in favor of players who had absolutely no, no right being there. So it's tough. They're both underrated, but the facts are there as a trio. They were the best last year. All right. I think, I think we can wrap it up there. Mike. I mean, look at that, Mike, we cleared uh, over 70 minutes of content um, with, you know, really nothing outside of a few bullet points on this Google doc. I'm, I'm proud of us. Um, we do have a few podcasts that we plan that we're very excited for. I think you <laughs> <laughs> finally saw what I wrote in the Google doc an hour ago. Finally, we'll we don't need to address us. what it says. Okay. There we go. Um, we do have a few podcasts that we're Put in your about. guesses. Send us your guess of what it says. If if anyone guesses the exact three words that are written on this Google Doc right now, I will buy tickets for you to a Jets game. Now somebody's going to hack our Google account, Michael. So please, please don't do that. Um, I, I rescind the offer. <laughs> and don't guess it. You'll never get it. We do have a few podcasts that are coming out uh, that we're very excited for. We have a few guests on the show. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, you know what, Michael? I'll, I'll do the plugs afterwards. I have a little game for us to play. I, I, I shouldn't say I have it because you're the one who introduced it to us, but our listeners can, can I, I play introduced along. the game. That's right. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, I, okay, whatever. Um, you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter, Michael at Michael underscore Nania, myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to jetsxfactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. If you're able to, please uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That helps out the pod a ton. Uh, subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube channel. That's where we post all the pods. Check out the other Jets X Factor pods. Michael, let's play this game now. I guess I'll let you. I'll let you break it down. You brought it to me. I think this is a good party game. If you're if you're a big NFL fan, if you want to test your NFL knowledge, Michael and I were doing this the other day, and I think we played for like an hour straight. It is pretty fun. I hope we get a good draw on the podcast because it'll be pretty lame if we don't. But why don't you set the scene? Did we have a whole debate of if it was set the scene or set the stage last like a year ago? All right, whatever. Uh, I, I think remember we did that have it was song. on a pod. So many hours of just talking random nonsense, I but um, both both could work. I don't remember having the debate. I feel like it was stage, a year ago. It was after the draft. I feel like set the stage makes more sense, but set, set the, the scene, scene could also make sense because you're explaining what the scene is going to be. Right, set, set the stage is more like you're what physically setting up the stage. All right, our listeners can, our listeners can play along at home. Try to try to guess guess the uh, the player. But tell us what is this game? Where can where can the listeners go to, yes. to play it? So this game is called Weddle in honor of the former NFL safety, Eric Weddle. It's a pun off of Wordle, which most people I think have heard of. It's basically like an NFL version of Wordle, where you're guessing a random player in the league and it gives you a few hints like the position they play, the division they're in, um, the height, jersey number, and you guess players and it'll tell you like if you're close or not, like, are you in the right conference? Are you on the right side of the ball offense or defense? Maybe their height is higher or lower than what you guess. Jersey numbers higher or lower. Basically you just guess a random player going off of hints that you get for each of the guesses you put in. You can now there's a, there's a normal mode, which is probably just for normal people. And it's, what is it? Just quarterback, running backs and receiver. Like it's more of like yeah, a like fantasy, fantasy players, yeah. like well-known players. And there's the hard mode and you can get anybody in the NFL. So we've had a few draws where you just get somebody we have no idea. And I really hope we don't Shout embarrass ourselves. Nick Scott on the Bengals. Yeah. I, we did find out that like NFC 
linebackers. I don't really know that many. I was like, who the hell are the linebackers on the Saints and yeah, Panthers? Not a super marketable group of guys right now. All right, so I've I've shared my screen with Michael. This is probably where we should. You don't bring want to get guards video. or linebackers or centers. All right, here we go. That's the key. Um, but so, here we go. We're jumping in right now. We're doing okay. So the first, any player in the NFL, offense, so you get, defense, or special right. teams. So you get ten guesses. We decided that the best guy for us to put in because you want to find somebody who's kind of kind of give you some information. We decided Quincy Williams because he wears middle of the pack number. He'll tell you AFC or NFC offense or defense. I really hope one of these days Quincy Williams. His height is, is the in the middle. Player. I think his height is in the middle. So we put Quincy Williams in, and my browser crashed. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> he broke the game. Uh, he try broke it again. the game just like he broke the Packers' souls. Nice. Maybe there we go. Oh, look at that. Look at oh, that. It's a go. linebacker in the AFC It's an East. AFC East linebacker. But it's He's not. I'll, I'll read it out. Above 5'11". All right. All right yeah, you, you, you know, read you read it out. It's your okay. game. You read it out. He's AFC East linebacker, above 5'11", older than 26. His number is below 56. But he's so not in the Jets. Here. So it's a Bills, Pats, or Dolphins linebacker. Number, so I think the first thing is number Judon? lower than 56. Judon. Judon. That's you a good one. Ooh, oh, he's no, not, on, he's the not on the pass. He is 6'3". He's older than 30. He's and older is... than 30. Yeah. This is an old guy. on the. Could it be Von Miller? No. He's... no he's Wait, edge. what number is he let's on try, the Bills? Try... Von Miller? Like 40 something, right? Try Von... Is he listed as a linebacker? Let's try it. He... I think he would be. Let's go right, with Von Miller. Miller. It's That's Von it. Miller. Wow, that was Three too guesses. easy. That's, that well was done. too easy. Yeah, I kind of want – should we play with, with fire here? Should we really try to go in for one more? Let's I'm, I'm worried about us. This, right, this is entertaining audio. All, all right, seven here we go. people listening to this. All right, here we go. It. Quincy Williams. Hey, we got more than seven. Come on now. All right, Quincy Williams again. All right. You, you read it out. Read out everything. You got to do a good job narrating since they can't see the actual screen. Okay. So we put in Quincy Williams – it is not in the AFC. So this is an NFC player. It is a defensive player. It's not a linebacker, though. He's above 5'11". He's younger than 26 years old. And his jersey number is below 56. What do you want to guess? Really narrows it down. Yeah, we, I so mean, we got some NFC, good information. An NFC defensive player whose number is lower than 56. We can really go anywhere here. What are we feeling? Fletcher Cox. No, he's under 26. Yeah, come on. He's now. under 26 years old. It's a young guy. Anyone drafted last year? Kayvon, was there any was Kayvon there Thibodeau. anyone drafted last year? <laughs> no. All right. Cave <laughs> on Thibodeau. Let's try it. Okay, okay. is he in the NFC East? 22 year old NFC East player. Numbers between five and fifty-six. <laughs> that really narrows it down. Not a linebacker, though. Height is between five. He's probably six feet because there's a yellow on the 5'11", which means you're close. So probably a DB, an NFC six East feet, DB. NFC East, non-linebacker, 22, 22 years so he's old. he's drafted last year. Probably, 22. yeah, most likely drafted last year. Probably, probably a DB. Yeah. Um, who are DBs drafted on the either Eagles, could be a very Cowboys, random or Commanders? Guy. Could be a very random guy. Eagles, Cowboys, or Commanders, let's think. Give us just a random DB. Who's 22 and the Eagles, Cowboys, or Commanders? Let's just get get a team. All right, fine. So we just get someone put on the Eagles. Put Bradbury. He's but he's not. All right, fine. We'll do it just for. We know it's not him. We just want info. Not the. It Eagles. is a corner. It is a corner. It's not though. the Eagles or Giants. So it's a Cowboys or Commanders corner. Who's 22 years old? Oh fuck! <laughs> we should have just <laughs> left it with Von Miller. 
we're not gonna get this one. You don't think so? Hold on, let's not. We can get this. Who's who's young? Who's young on the on the Cowboys or or only Cowboys corner I know is Diggs. Well, they have Stephon Gilmore too, don't they? He's not twenty two. I know. I know. Should we just? What about right, the we give up on this one. What about the Commanders? Let's let's just I try Trevor. You don't know any Commanders corners? Come on, think. We got it. it no, so it, it is, is a Commanders. A commander. All right, well, come on. We know this. Think of a Commanders corners. Anybody? I got nothing. I got nothing at all. Oh God, they have like. Uh... This is tremendous, riveting audio. We I don't, don't we know. Can't get this one. Don't they have one of the Fuller brothers? But he's not twenty-two. Just skip this. All right, fine. All We're right, we'll, just, we'll just. All right, let's see who it is. All right, we'll. So we're skipping through. We're gonna see just, who this just is by spamming AJ Brown, who's the top. Emmanuel Forbes. Eman- God damn it! I didn't know that. Did you know that? Did I don't you know. know. No, I have no idea who Emmanuel. Look Forbes up Emmanuel is. Forbes. Let's see. I'm sure he's a great guy. He's their. He is their starting corner. So maybe we should have gotten that. He's born in 2001, so he's younger than me. When was he draft? Uh, what round was he drafted? Oh, he was drafted this year. Oh, wow! Wow, that that like makes us look so stupid that we didn't. All right, we didn't look at corners of the draft this we year. We had everybody. admitted right, many times we weren't as much into the draft this year as previous All right, years. Fine. All right, fine. One more, one more. We can't go out in that. We've been greatly here's, embarrassed. Here's the right? rubber match. Here's the rubber match. Quincy Williams gave us no information. God okay, so we put in Quincy Williams <laughs> and nothing matched. So he's an <laughs> NFC offensive player. Above 5'11", younger than 26, numbers above 56. Have at oh, it, folks. Oh, God, please don't tell me it's an offensive lineman. All right, well, you know what? Hopefully it's a it. tight end. Let's go younger than tight. 26, all right. Let's, you want to try a tight end, an NFC tight end like George Kittle? We, younger than 26, though. What about uh, Trey McBride? What the why? Okay. NFC West. NFC West. Longer than 23. Okay. You got to read it out. You got to do it. One of us has to read out the whole thing because they can't. NFC West, offensive player, not a tight end, above 6'3, younger than 23, numbers below 85, above 56. It's going to be an NFC. Probably no lineman. (laughs) How many NFC West? Okay. Wait. uh, Well, Abraham Lucas. Charles Charles Cross. Those are two good ones. Damn, it's, it's not, not Seattle. Damn, he but hits it is a so 6'5", many. 22 year old tackle. Okay, so either on the Niners or Rams, a twenty-two. Wow. Ta- oh, bro, this is exposing <laughs> us. All right, let's think. We know them. Twenty-two. Unless it's a complete random. Was there anybody? Because we have to think about first-round picks. But first who, and second-round picks. Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey for the Niners. A okay. tackle for them last year. Where the Ram and the Rams have like bums on their offensive line these days. The Rams are just. All randos. We can't end on nothing, Michael. We gotta. I so effort, want, I so just want to cheat and look it up. We're not gonna know this. All right, fine. All right, fine. We'll skip. We'll do one more. We can't end on that. So much for Rams X Factor. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Here we go. All it the Rams fans. Spencer Burford. Crying. Spencer. Spencer Burford, my favorite offensive lineman. <laughs> Okay. He's a great guy. One more. One more. We can get this. Quincy Williams. You read it out. Read out everything. Okay. So we know he's in the AFC. He's an offensive player. He's above 5'11, 
older than 26, number under 56. Okay. So this could be a quarterback. Okay. So who do, you want, who do we want to try? Not in the AFC East, older than 26. Could be really anybody. The world is our oyster here, Michael. Tannehill? Who are we going with? Ryan Tannehill. Interesting guess. AFC, AFC South. South. Not a quarterback. Under 6'4", younger than 34, numbers below 17. That's good. That's good. That's a that's a key hint right there. That's a key hint. Okay, in the AFC South, not a quarterback, number below 17. So somebody of the Jags, Texans, Calvin uh, Ridley. Colts. Interesting guess. Okay. He's zero, right? It is a wide receiver. Okay, that's it's good. not Jacksonville. I like her chances. He's six so- feet tall. Older than 28, and his number is above zero. So it could, he be... could be number one, right? Yeah. Because it's yellow. Okay, let's think. Texans receivers. Or Colts. <laughs> or Titans. Is Terry it Robert Burks? Woods on them? Let's try, oh, let's, no, he's let's older try Robert than Woods. 28. Is it Robert Woods on the Yeah, I can try that. Look at that. Look at that. Thank you. That used to be when I was a kid because I was a pseudo USC fan. Oh, he's actually on the Texans. That's what I said. Oh, oh, that's who you said? I thought you meant Titans. No. I was thinking he was on. I didn't. I I did see that. I just forgot. I was a pseudo USC fan because of Mark Sanchez when I was a kid. So I was kind of. I had a Robert Woods jersey. Uh, That's true story. USC number two, Robert Woods jersey. So thank you. All right, we can end on that, Michael. All right, so yeah, if you want to play, you go to Weddle, uh, WeddleUnlimited.com. It's really for the diehards. We're going to be so good at naming random players around the NFL if we play this game enough. It's going to be like that GeoGuessr guy from the uh, from the Jet schedule release. Do you buy that? Was that real, do you think? See, like- I, I watched some videos after, the, after they posted that to try and see whether or not it was real. Some videos where he explained his methodology of how he does it. I think it is real. It's just like hours and hours of research to recognize stuff to help him get it that quickly. I don't know. Yeah, that's cr- it's I impressive, don't buy it. though. I don't buy it. And let, I mean, I think I, I did see something that the we were seeing an even shorter version of what he was getting to see. Like he might get might get a second, but that was that was nuts. All right, my goal, Michael. If we just play this at the end of every podcast the last five minutes by the season we're going to know every single player in the nfl we're gonna have it down every nfl player we'll you know their us, height weight you tell position. us the name we'll know their height weight jersey <laughs> not weight that unfortunately that's not part of this oh. but we'll know that we'll know the position team jersey number everything i think we can end there that's better than our typical uniform talk i would say so thank you to the 10 people still listening I accidentally, there we go. I accidentally removed you from the podcast for a second. My bad. <laughs> Thank you for the 10 people listening. Um, everybody have a great week. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, I'm excited about this lineup of pods coming up. Go Jets.